Welcome back to the Kings of the Diamond podcast, Sportship Media's Major League Baseball podcast powered by the Juicebox Pod. Go check our guys out over at the Juicebox Pod. They're doing great things. Uh, this week's episode well, was a pretty good one with uh, a family member there's uh, AJ. Uh, I met him while I was down there, what was that, three weeks ago? But uh, it's a good time. Check them out. And I'm your host, Jake Thomas. I'm joined by Hank Steinmiller. It's been a few weeks. Uh, we took a break. Uh, life kind of got in the way. Didn't have time to talk about baseball. But Hank, how you doing? All right. How's things going over there? Uh, just uh, cra- crazy times. So got a new house, got a coffee shop that's opening up here in another couple months that I... I'm the accountant for, but I seem to be doing a lot more. Um, but it, things have steady a little bit, and I'm ready to go. Fun stuff. Uh, I, I hear that you're doing some great things over in the iRacing world. Well, we just got done. Uh, today was a cutoff race for the Xfinity Series, and we snuck in there by two points. Nice. Uh, got a nice little crew over there. Uh, you got three drivers, right? There's, I think, five of us, but one of them got suspended from the league entirely in band. So yeah, down, okay. to four, <laughs> down to four at the most. And uh, the three that were in the playoffs, all three advanced tonight. So proud of that. Nice. Uh, good stuff going on. Um, this video, well, if you're listening to this on Spotify, um, that'll be on the Juicebox Pod feed. Um, go over and give us a like on really all of our social media accounts. You can find us anywhere at Sportship Media, but the video for this podcast will be up on YouTube, trying to grow that, do some different things. So uh, go give us a like and subscribe there on YouTube. But uh, we're here to talk baseball, so we'll get right into it. Uh, it's been a while. What's What are your big takeaways so far this season since the last time we talked? The Dodgers slide is my biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they'll be all right in the long run, but that is, I'd say, somewhat concerning, the slide that they're on. Yeah, they've got, some, they've got some injuries, and um, I was looking statistically. I don't really know how they're losing games because, uh, like, pitching-wise, they're at the top of most statistical categories. They're number one in batting average. They're, they're scoring runs. Uh, I, they just can't seem to put it together there. Um, and I saw uh, win probability, like uh, what their expected record should be. Um, it's a lot higher than what it uh, than what it is. So that has a little bit of luck. Uh, like, luck is not on their side. Yeah. yeah, and then possibly some bad managerial decisions, but uh, I, I think they'll figure that out. Yeah, sorry, I was looking up. For some reason, Christian Vasquez was trying to tag out Cedric Mullins at third base, and I was confused why Vasquez was using his catcher's gear to play third base. But <laughs> apparently, he's still playing catcher and ran all the way up the line. So. Oh, okay. Uh, probably, uh, probably weird shift there. That uh, yeah, they didn't have a shift. Was, it was extreme right shift, and uh, he, I guess he hit it in a good spot for a triple, and no one was coming back. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, someone was uh, playing heads up all the other day, and there was no one, no one at home. The catcher vacated home and made oh, yeah. all the way from second to home. Yeah, uh, quite, I forget what game that was though. That was uh, I think the Orioles game was it not? It was Bogart. I want to say. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Uh, that uh, yeah, good that heads up play. Shot me from that defense there. So yeah, and Bogarts is a pretty good heads up player. He seems right. to always know what's going on. Um, but we'll we'll jump in. We're gonna try something a little different here. I have a recap of the end of, of the National League for this past weekend, and then we'll just talk about all these teams, um, what we've seen, and what we think going forward. Um, the, the Cubs, they take two or three against the Pirates. I, I'm kind of down on the Cubs, but uh, they take two from our Buccos, and uh, they're fading into what we thought they would be. They're the worst team in the National League Central and uh, one of the worst teams in the league, but a, a good pitching uh, outing from Tyler Anderson going eight strong, getting the one win for the Buccos. The Mets sweep the Diamondbacks to take the lead in the uh, National League East, but the two big stories that we'll probably touch on later on, the Lindor-McNeil uh, scuffle and then DeGrom going to the IL. Um, great pitcher, but you just hate to see that. The, the Mets just can't, can't get out of their own way. That team always seems to struggle. Time out. I got to take my medicine. I forgot. Getting back into it, the Brewers take two out of three, and they're really embracing that opener strategy. Uh, Burns is out. It's really just Woodruff and a bunch of nobodies. So they've been going with that opener uh, for two to three innings and then just trusting that bullpen. So they win two games, and uh, we'll see if that keeps working. But the St. Louis Burns around there, right? Uh, Burns is hurt right now. Okay. I wasn't yeah. sure if he was in or out. Uh, I, think, I think he's out for another week or two, and then he should be back. Okay. Um, Cardinals in that NL Central, they have been turning it on. They sweep the Rockies. Not saying much. The Rockies are probably the second worst team in uh, all of baseball, but I really like what I'm seeing from them. Wainwright has found lightning in a bottle, turning it back to his younger years. Jack Flaherty had seven shutout innings. Um, So that pitching staff, you put them up against most of the other pitching staffs in the league. uh, Their stats are right there. But the team with the best pitching rotation in baseball, at least by my standards, the San Francisco Giants, uh, they take two out of three against the Padres. And that National League Central, I mean, the National League West that we thought was going to be a battle between the Padres and Dodgers, the Giants are currently atop the standings after 40-something games or whatever we're... uh, 34. 34. 
Uh, so we'll see if they can continue, but uh, that pitching staff can keep them in any game, and uh, we can touch on that a little bit more later. Uh, Dodgers, like you said, struggling. They are, they've lost five straight series, and uh, they continue that this weekend. Um, and that only win was 14-11. to 11. They were up 13 yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Trout gets pulled from the game. He's sitting on the bench, and the Angels just to go, on a, uh, go on a run there. Four runs in the sixth and seven in the seventh. Yeah, I didn't stay up for it, but I watched the highlights and there was a lot going on. Um, and then to finish it up in the National League, we have the other two teams in the NL East. Pretty good series. Braves take two or three. And I think I think they're starting to figure something out. They struggled on uh, struggled a little bit at the beginning of the year. But I think the, them and the Mets, uh, they're going to have a pretty good battle there to see who wins the East. The the big thing that I see, so there's two things that point that's pointing out to me in the National League. One, I believe we both said the Cardinals were going to prevail in the Central because someone yeah. Had to win it. yeah, someone has to win it, and they seem to be they're pulling taking, ahead. Yes, taking a stranglehold on that. Um, and the Giants, we knew their pitching staff was pretty good, but does their hitting stay around enough to stay up there? That's good. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's very surprising that I mean the names that are on that list, uh, like on that lineup card every day, it's the guys from the World Series team in like 2010. Those guys are just still kicking around. But they're not they're not at the level where you would say this is a good lineup anymore. Because what do you still have over there? Posey, Longoria. Um, um Belt. Belt, yeah. Um, I'm trying to pull it up now. They, they play here in a little bit, but I'll pull up yesterday's Crawford. lineup card. Um, yeah, Cr- Crawford, the young guys on the team. You have Wilmer Flores, uh, Mike Yastrzemski, decent, and uh, Mike Talkman. Uh, just guys that, that this isn't a team that you really expect much from, but the pitching keeps them in enough. The Padres put 11 up on them yesterday, so I mean, they're not going to win high scoring ball games. You know what it's put together like almost every athletics team. Yes, That's what it reminds me of batter okay. raised type team. Got guys that hit for average. You have maybe a couple that hit for power, but uh, I'm looking here. They're gonna manufacture runs. They're not gonna produce them. Yeah, I mean they're 20th in batting average, um, 15th in runs. The thing they do well at the plate is hit home runs. They're tied for third in the league. So uh, they do have guys that hit for power, which well, we thought they were producing them. I I think that one thing that you're gonna see this year. I mean, it's surprising that they're at the top because you would expect a ton of other teams to be hitting for better power, but there's just not as many runs being scored this year. Uh, no. I saw the uh, the Red Sox. The Red Sox have the highest OPS in the league, and I think the previous three years they would be sitting in like seventh. So just teams aren't hitting uh, at all, and especially not for power. That's pretty evident by the four or five no hitters we've seen already. Mm-hmm. And two by uh, two have happened to the Indians. Mm-hmm. The, the one by uh, Miley. This was that Saturday that, that game happened. The Friday. Uh, Friday or Saturday, I forget which one. But. Yeah, but I mean Wade Miley, especially the names that are getting no hitters. I guess if you look back through history, the guys that get no hitters, it usually is some of the more random names. Yeah. But uh, you got Musgrove, uh, Rodon, Wade Miley, and then our boy John Means from West Virginia University. He, uh, I tried to actually get him on the pod. I, I DM'd him a couple times, once on Twitter and once on Instagram, asking if he would uh, come for appearance to talk to two fellow W grads and no uh, crickets on both. So uh, I'll probably tag him. I'll clip this video, tag him in it, and see if maybe we can get him on next week. We'll see what can happen. But uh, John Means is good. Mm-hmm. I like the trip they got out there at Barstool. So John Means is good. <laughs> the last 12, 13 starts have been some of the best in the league. I mean, I think he's right around a 1.5, if not lower ERA. Yeah, I mean, uh, pretty much a bet, a bet that I make every single time around is the under in every game that he pitches. It's not a bad pick because we're not going to score many runs and he's not going to get many up. Yeah, so, I mean, uh, the Orioles have been scoring more than what I expected them to, but... It's on uh, the road. Have you seen the road, road home split? No, I have not. I think they're 4-13 and 13 at home, and they are 11-6 and six on the road. Hmm. And their runs per game at home are like 1.9 or 2.1. Their ERA is like 5-something, and then their ERA on the road is like 2.6. <laughs> so they hate uh, playing Camden. Uh, I wonder why that is, because, I mean, that's a great part to play at. I, I wouldn't expect that. It's a higher run-producing part, but I don't know if it's just the home runs they give up at home, if it's that much of a difference, or 
the, this early on in the year, it could be who you're playing also. Like if things have not yeah. even out enough, if you play uh, the wrong teams when you're at home, then you know, oh, you yeah. have a more. We have had the Red Sox in twice, I believe, and the A's right on their 13-game winning streak. So it's yeah. not matched up perfectly for the last two or three weeks. But. <laughs> All right, well, before we get into too much more of the AL, I'm, I'm just going to go down through this recap quick to talk about the weekend. Uh, the Red Sox took the first three against your Orioles. What, uh, what's the current update of the score? 3-1, bottom eight, two on, one out, Severino at the plate. Uh, so the Orioles try to avoid the four-game sweep. Um, the White Sox dethroned the Royals in the American League Central, and I, th- I think that may be the last time we see them up at the top. It was, a good, run- it was a good run. But- last week I thought about putting down a future for the Royals to win the World Series at, I think, plus 4,000, but I'm glad <laughs> I waited on that. Yeah, good, good thing you waited. Uh, they have faded. Uh, currently sit at third in the AL standings. Giolito had another good outing. Uh, I forget who else, uh, who pitched in that other game, but uh, th- possibly, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's kind of how we saw the American League Central playing out. It's going to be the White Sox. Surprised by the Twins way down there, but we'll, I have some stats on that later on. I think uh, they turned around the Indians is what's impressing me, but that's another one of those teams where the pitching staff's going to carry them. Yeah, I mean, you got Bieber, you got Plesak. Uh, I'm drawing a blank on who the rest of their guys are, but yeah, that's a pretty good staff that's going to carry them. Uh, shown it by the two no hitters that they've had against them. <laughs> that lineup just isn't good, and they can go extremely cold. Not going to produce many runs. Yeah, the, the Houston Astros, they're rolling, take two out of three. And I'm going to say something right now. I think we might have someone else that needs to be put in the consideration for one of the top three guys in ba- all of baseball. Uh, Guriel, he only played two games, or not? Not Guriel. Who? Uh, who was I? Um, now I'm drawing a blank. Uh, I'm gonna have to edit this. What team? The Astros. Uh, Jordan Alvarez. Jordan Alvarez. Yeah. And, yeah um, I get all the Astros confused, but he only played in two games last year before getting hurt. And right now he's ripping off a 3.13 average, 6.55 slugging, and close to a thousand OPS, if not over. Or, or I was looking at the wrong the wrong stats, but 3.62 average, 6.33 slugging. Six home runs already. I, the ball that he hit um, the other night, it looked like one of his bad swings, and it gets out of the ballpark. He just that swing is so smooth. Uh, I think he doesn't get talked about enough because there's a lot of other good players around the league. But I think when it's all said and done, the next five years, he's going to be a top three player in all of baseball. That's a hot take. We'll see what the shifts do to him. Yeah, I mean that definitely that definitely plays a factor into it. But that ball that he hit out the other night, it, he went off it with it, and it, it seemed like it was going to be just a, a pop fly and gets out. So she we'll doesn't matter if he hit it over their heads anyway. So uh, yeah, exactly. So uh, that's my hot take. Um, we'll see if it plays out. I'll I'll save this clip for five years from now. I'll probably be very wrong. I'm usually very wrong about a lot of things, but oh well. To the uh, Texas Rangers continue to stick around in that AL West. They take two or three against Seattle. They're also they're tied with the Giants for third in the league in home runs. I think that's going to be a fun division. Astros, Mariners. A's and Rangers, and even the Angels are sitting in last place. They're all right there. Uh, I think I those teams expected the Rangers to be really bad, but I have no idea how long the Angels can have superstars on their team and be awful. Yeah, I mean, you have Mike Trout, who his stats are just insane right now. Um, he's batting 376 with a 1.2 uh, OPS. Mm-hmm. And Shohei Otani is striking everybody out and hitting, leading the league in home runs, and they just can't string together wins. So, I mean, striking everyone out and walking everyone at the same time, but it's still not giving up runs. Yeah. I, no what, so I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, that, that's one of the most baffling things is how they're in last place again, even though those two guys are on fire. But I, I think top to bottom, I think that's the best division in baseball. Uh, what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I still like the NL East, top mm-hmm. to bottom. They all look average at best, but I, like they're playing each other. So I'm not sure they've quite figured it out. All those teams are fairly new to each other, I'd say, and especially coming off a pandemic year. Like the Braves had just hit their stride. They were up and coming. Then the 60-game season hit them. Mm-hmm. The Phillies only got one year together, and then the 60-game thing hit them. Mets are all brand new. Yeah. The one thing um, the, the one thing about the NL East, you have the Marlins who, I mean, they are what they are. And I think – I wanted to ask you about this. It, it'll be in the – I was going to bring it up at the end, but I'll just bring it up now. The Nationals lose another start from Max Scherzer. He puts up a gem of seven in the third innings, and then the bullpen completely blows it against the Yankees. I think that's a team I, – I don't know who's going to take on the payroll because I think if, if they trade Scherzer at the deadline, I think he'll, he'll still be owed $20 million for the year. So mm-hmm. it's going to have to be a, a higher payroll team to take on that amount. But I think we could see Scherzer traded – for a playoff run in July. 
You don't think the Nationals can turn this thing around before the trade deadline? There's just something about them that I I just don't think they have it this year. And if they're sitting at the bottom, um, who knows how many years he truly has left. If they try to dump salary and try to maybe rebuild a little bit. But you have Juan Soto, too. You have other guys that, like, I don't know how much you want to rebuild. But right. with him getting, getting further up there in age, they might try to dump his salary, get some prospects back, and maybe rebuild this thing for two years down the road going on a run with some younger guys. That's such a tough position. I think that might be the toughest position for any GM to be in in that particular situation at the deadline is that team, again, like their World Series year. With what they started off the year like nineteen and thirty one or something. Yeah, something something not very good. But then they turn it around completely, and that's that team's still built that way. It mm-hmm. has no reason to not be decent at least. So it can turn around quick. But yeah. I, it depends where you're at. Like if you're, do you want to never say never when you got Scherzer, Corbin, and Strasburg right there? I mean, Strasburg Strasburg struggled. Corbin Corbin hasn't been very good. And that's the thing is like the, the guys that are supposed to be leading the way just haven't been quite good enough. And then they're, I forget what the stat is, but I saw that they are terrible with runners in scoring position. They, they, they barely gotten anybody home. So I think it's just one of those things that if you're sitting there looking at this team and you see that the Mets are building, the Phillies and Braves are going to be there. Do you want to fight for the third or fourth spot in the division? Or do you want to try, because somebody will take Max Scherzer for a title run. Somebody will. Somebody will take any of those top four pitchers. You got Lester, Strasburg, Corbin, and Scherzer all sitting right there. But that's the, that's the tough part. Do you see the upward trajectory before the deadline that you can say, hey, we can hang in there with this team because you still got firepower and offense. You got Turner, Schwarber. Robert's not great, but he's there. So mm-hmm. like you can, you've got the team to produce runs and you've got the pitching staff to shut it down. The issue then being your bullpen. Do you help the bullpen at the deadline if you see the upward trajectory or do you try to get something back to kind of retool, not rebuild, like you said? Yeah, I think that that could be, they're either going to be on one uh, one far end of the spectrum. They're either going to trade off and try to rebuild or you're right, they're going to go get a big name bullpen on because that's where they struggled. Um, Brad Hand, he's a good reliever, but for some reason he just struggles against the Yankees. I think that's his third blown save against the Yankees. Yeah. Um, Giancarlo Stanton, I don't remember what game it was, but he hit a baseball to the moon. That's I think all nine of his home runs have been at least 500 feet. <laughs> at least it seems like it. the moon or he grounds into a double play. There's really no between <laughs> Yeah, exactly. You just got to throw that slider away, and it seems to get him. Yeah. Uh, that pretty much, I'm looking here, what did I miss? Um, we already talked about Wade Miley throwing the no-hitter. Orioles uh, legend. What? Orioles legend, Wade Miley. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one thing, so that wraps it up with the AL. One thing I wanted to get your opinion on, because uh, one team that we didn't talk about much, I brought them up a little bit earlier, the Minnesota Twins. They are currently sitting fourth in the AL Central. They are 12-9 in regular nine-inning games, and they are 0-11 in either seven-inning games or extra-inning games. And one thing I was looking into, in the extra-inning games, with the 10th inning starting off with a runner on second, there seem to be some teams that just are refusing to play small ball, and I wanted to get your opinion on that. Uh, AL teams in general don't like playing small ball. Mm-hmm. I they, never they quite understood that because all the, the only difference is you just have a DH rather than a pitcher. Yeah, I feel like the American League is always, because of the DH, their lineups are usually built more for power. I think you have more teams yeah, we got in there that is only for power, so that's what they think. But, but I, still think, I still think you structure your lineup differently. At least it seems like it when you look at the rosters. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bigger bats in the American League, but I just don't quite understand. Uh, I saw some people arguing the fact that if you bump the guy over, then you have a much higher chance to score one run, but you have a very low chance of scoring two runs. And that was the analytical argument for uh, for not What's playing small on that, though? It was – there was a there was a lot of numbers in it, but that's the basis of it is that you have a very low chance of scoring two runs because the small ball aspect is to bunt him over and then hit a sack fly. And then right. you, have, you have two outs, nobody on. So most likely you're not going to get that second run. Whereas if you try to just hit uh, – just find a gap and score the run, then you're going to have another guy on with no outs. What's the but, odds of doing uh, – what's the odds of finding that gap, though? That's my that's my only deflection back to that point because here's mm-hmm. the three things that can happen is you, if you don't bunt. You can fly out that doesn't advance the runner. So you're down to one out with a guy on second. Mm-hmm. Also finding that gap to get a double to get the runner over or obviously score there. I don't think that's as much as it would be to get one guy in from the sack bunt because all the other ways, if you ground out 
on the right side, you're advancing. If you mm -hmm. hit a ball deep enough, you're advancing. But all those give you one out with the guy on third. Yeah. So it's the same thing as a sack bunt. Uh, yeah, I don't quite understand. I I love the idea of small ball. Um, that is why I was in the in the lineup in high school was simply to blunt people over because no one else seems to know how to do it. Mm -hmm. But and also the thing is, people were talking about uh, scoring two runs. You're in extra innings. You're just trying to win the ball game. You only need one run. Especially if you're in the bottom half of that. Yeah. Well, that's the thing too is they were talking about um, I forget what I was listening to, but team the teams that are winning extra inning games are playing small ball. But the other thing they're doing is they're saving the closer for the tenth inning because you're wasting your best bullpen arm. In a, in a ninth inning where it's clean, you're starting with nobody on base. Why not bring that guy in for the 10th inning to shut things down instead of uh, the clean inning? My opinion, you only need to use your closer that in a ninth inning that you're not winning is in a game that you need to win. Mm -hmm. game. There's which is a need to win situation. There's no reason to use your closer in the ninth inning of a tie ball game in the regular season unless it's to advance to the playoffs or get that extra game up late in the season or if it's in the playoffs. I see no need to use your closer in the ninth inning of a game that's tied. Whether we're running this runner on second um, extra inning rule or not. It makes yeah. no sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't understand it. Why? I mean, sometimes... Uh, it makes a little more sense without the runner on second just because you never know how long that game's going to go. You can put a middle relief guy in to start the extras. You can go for another three, four innings. Yeah. But, yeah do, you, do you like the rule, the, the guy on second? No, the, I want as much free baseball as possible. Well, yeah. See, I... Here's the way I look at it. I think that you could go, I think it should be almost like uh, college football overtime where the, uh, after the third overtime, you have to go for two. I think, the tenth, I, I think the 10th and 11th innings should be regular. Let's play it out and see what happens. But then the, in the, starting in the 12th inning, you put a guy in second. I don't hate that. And if they want to put a runner on, I think they should start from first. I don't think you should automatically put one in scoring position. Yeah, I, I think that's like the new rule for college football where they're just going to do alternate two-point conversions, which I hate. They're changing the overtime? Yeah, so you have to go for two after the second time, after the second overtime this year, and then starting in the third or fourth overtime, I forget which one it starts in, but they're just doing alternate two-point conversions until someone... Why would they change college football overtime? That was the biggest electric factory that ever existed. Yeah, I, I mean, I, they're getting closer to the end zone. If anything, I wanted to change it moving back, starting in like the 40, just so that you didn't get... That's what the NFL should do. Yeah. Should play at the 25, the NFL should play the same way from the 40. Well, I, I've always thought that the, from the 25, you can go three and out and kick a field goal. I, I think starting from the 40, you at least have to work a little bit to have that college kicker be able to kick a field goal. Well, the college kicker also, I think, misses more field goals from that three and out area than an NFL kicker would from the 25. So that's why I say put the NFL at the 40, keep the college at 25. Yeah, definitely. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, but that's uh, – we can talk about, talk about that a little more. Um, Baseball-wise, I just don't see why you're putting one in scoring position, and I also believe that counts as an earned run to the pitchers. Oh, yeah, which that's terrible because, I mean, it's not their sure. fault. First one should not count as an earned run. Mm -hmm. Yeah, if you give up a second run that inning, then it's earned. But, uh, yeah, because you didn't put the guy there. Like, that, right. that's just, he's, just he's, he's So I don't hear your, your idea there with the play your first and second one, and then you start your gimmicks there in the 12th or 13th inning. Because that, that's the thing is, I mean, you and I or anybody else that's sitting at home watching baseball may love a 16-inning game, but I've been at stadiums for that 16, 17-inning game, and it's a rough one. You, you show up at the ballpark at, like, 5 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game, and then you're, you're there until 1, 2 in the morning. They run out of here in the 7th inning. Yeah, it's, it's a rough one. It is. Uh, I do like the seven-inning doubleheaders, though. I will say that. Yes, uh, I would be. I think they I think they, for perfect games. So how many are, is there a certain number that each team is playing, or are they just doing it when there's rainouts to try to get these games in? It's, they're doing it when there's rainouts. It's still under COVID protocol, but, I mean, we're still playing 162 games, so I don't know what the extra four innings would do for contact. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, see, I think that they could do this um, to give maybe some more days off in a regular 162-game season. If you have any four-game series, just uh, make two of them seven-inning doubleheaders. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I would love that. The uh, minor leagues have always had the seven-inning rule with the with the um, rain out the day before. Okay. Like doubleheaders, it's always been seven-inning because I would wait for Akron to be rained out, and then know I was getting two games if I went to the <laughs> uh, That is a pretty good deal. Um, 
I, I know I'm making a trip up to see a minor league game at some point here, uh, or another WVU grad that's coming up through the minors, Alec Manoa, pitching in Buffalo. I am going to make that trip to see him. And he's another one that I DM'd <laughs> trying to uh, get on the podcast. So maybe if we get to doing this thing every week on a more consistent basis now, maybe we'll be able to get one of them or maybe some other minor leaguers in here to, uh, to talk to us. Adley Regiment. Hey, that, that's all you. You, you got to DM him. <laughs> I was putting him on the trade block earlier this week. He started off the year, I think, one for six with four strikeouts. But hey. yeah, nice, uh, nice tater that he smacked out there in Altoona game two. So. Uh, that was nice. I, I saw that hit, and then I was like, wait, I know that stadium. And then I <laughs> realized that uh, good old Altoona. Uh, one thing we skipped over in the NL that I want to get your opinion on, what was your thought on the whole Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil uh, tunnel battle, and then the whole debacle afterwards of them trying to explain their way around it? 100% transparency. Didn't see it. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you a little bit of background here. They uh, they were in a little bit of a shift. Jeff McNeil was a little bit uh, closer to second base, kind of playing just like right behind, just on the second base uh, side. I think a ground ball was hit up the middle, and neither of them went for it. Um, probably Jeff McNeil's ball, but they go off the field, and you saw you see the camera pan over, and I believe it was Dom Smith and Michael Conforto start sprinting into the tunnel. And the reports were that it was Lindor and McNeil getting into it. After the game, they try to explain it away by saying that there was a rat, a New York City rat, in the tunnel. And I, it just, it doesn't make any sense. It's the Mets being the Mets trying to. Uh, There's no need to cover that up. I think disagreements happen in every sport. And I think most teams are close enough to not have that become an issue. If that makes sense. Yeah, like I mean, the, 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 that's 162 games. Yeah. Like, I, I mean, the, there was, there was a play. Um, and yeah, I think that's one of those things that every once in a while, you're going to have two guys get into it. It did look like Jeff McNeil got popped in the chin a little bit. So if there's punches being thrown, uh, like it may become more of an issue, but it seemed like the two of them were okay. So why lie about a rat or a raccoon? There were conflicting stories on what it was. And then of course the New York City media, they, they wanted to get to the truth and they yeah. it, it was a whole mess. Only in New York. Only, for sure. Um, aside from that, how about the umpires? And how about uh, they? Um, yeah, they've been pretty bad. The, uh, what game was that that uh, the kid for the Royals went off? Brady Singer. Yes, which mm -hmm. he went off when he was at Florida, too, on an umpire. In spring right. training. Or no, I, he, when he was in college, uh, he played at the University of Florida. Okay. And he, there's some viral video that he he exploded kind of in a similar fashion, but the manager got kicked out in that game. Um, Singer, I don't think got kicked out, but he he gave him an earful. I, I don't know. The, these umpires, they continue to be really bad, and there's no... Um, Accountability it, and help for them. Yeah, like uh, the MLB is not going to do anything about it. Uh, like uh, the Hernandez is of the world that are suing the MLB for things when they want to get rid of him. So he's basically has to stay there because he sued them back for, for discrimination, I think. Uh, yeah, I, like I, I've never been a fan of umpires. Uh, I think they're not very good at their job, but I don't really think like this year it's gotten really out of hand. And I don't know. I think that has to do with instant replay and that's not fair to them, to be honest. I'm not a huge fan of instant replay. I'm a fan um, of instant replay in certain circumstances, but the, the play like, uh, like guy running the first McCutcheon. and, it's a bang bang play or a guy sliding into second and you have uh you have a ghost tag like i think that's sort of that's stuff that should just be if you miss, yeah if you missed it move on uh i think it clips down to like one frame per second and being inches if not millimeters away from a call that's yes or no is just you're just nitpicking at umpires at this point that get their job right 98 yeah. of the time uh, i think uh home run balls like the the one in the mets game a week or two ago, one which yeah. i i want to say something on that one in particular because to me the grainy footage that they have to do to zoom into that is not clear enough to have overturned that call in my opinion uh, i thought if you if you went back and just watched it full speed though afterward like after it happened i thought it did clearly hit off that railing and in the, the philly rules state that uh the railing's not out of the park yeah that railing's in place so i thought like them zooming in was ridiculous but i thought that the the regular video kind of showed that it clearly went off that so I, I was fine with it, but uh, I think you're right that if you're zooming all the way into where you can't even see what you're watching, then just move on and keep the call what it is. And we're, I mean, we're doing this for 
I, I don't like the when you're picking what you're what's reviewable and what's not like the McCutcheon out of the baseline type deal. Mm-hmm. I get that that's a that's an interpretation call or a whatever you want to call that. But why can't that be reviewed to be like, okay, he didn't run out of the baseline. Like it wasn't even close that he ran out of the baseline. He stayed maybe a foot off of where he started. Yeah. I I don't really know. I don't know what the answer is, but there needs to be some more accountability by those guys. It, I don't want to go to robot umpires either because no. I think there's a lot of things that you need the human element. I know catchers would be pretty much relevant because framing pitches just wouldn't be a thing. Yeah. Um, that's something that I never want to see leave the game. Cause I think that's what makes a good catcher, a good catcher. You know, the, I've noticed this for quite some time too with catchers. What used to be framing is no longer. Framing has got so I'm, when I'm playing catcher, if I had a ball in the inside corner, instead of catching it like a normal one and moving, you just catch it. Oh yeah, you try to catch, you try to catch it and frame it like right there on the corner instead of moving it to the middle of the plate. All of the main catchers right now are just grabbing balls out here and going like this. Like that's not framing me. Yeah, because then it's not obvious as you possibly can. Yeah, because then the umpires are just gonna be like, oh, you do that on every pitch. Like you have to pick and choose your spots, and, yeah. and it's it's taking a ball from uh, down low and just slightly sliding it up. Mm. Um, it's just yeah. like, like the whole thing is to frame. So a frame is here. If you're on a corner, going like this isn't going to make it look better. It's going to be very obvious. Why are they not catching? Yeah, because when, when you twisted your glove to the side, you were really trying to catch it on that outside part of the glove and just squeeze it in. So you weren't moving your wrist. You were just yeah. trying to catch it on that outside part of the glove and then yeah. tighten it in there. So it's I, I don't understand why. It, it seemed like it would have been something that major league catchers would be really good at. As a, But I mean, I was doing it in Little League and it just seems like it's been phased out. Now you're taught to just bring your glove back to the middle. Yeah, I uh, I think that's just uh, as things uh, as we get older. That's just something something else that's phased out of the game. But uh, uh, that's something that I love. I love watching a good catcher calling a good game. Um, that's mm-hmm. another thing is the catchers don't really call their own game anymore, which I think is ridiculous. Uh, I don't think the guys in the dugout should be able to call the pitches. Uh, I, I think that's between the pitcher and the catcher. But Severino called his game up. I'll, I'll put that one out there for the means no header. That we did. Yeah. Um, uh, there are still some that do it, but I just know that more often than not, it seems like it's not happening. Last point here. What's your opinion on these no hitters? So we've had three now that have been perfect games but doesn't show a walk or a hit in the column or an error. There's been two hit by pitches, which makes sense to not have a perfect game, but a dropped called strike three. That is just a pass ball. That's not a, I guess that's like an error, but then the guy gets thrown out stealing right after anyway. So, so, I mean, yeah, he, that's a tough one because I think if you're going to have no hitters, if you're going to take perfect games away from errors in the field, I think you have to count it as well. Um, it's, it's an error on the catcher. Honestly. Yeah, he let that ball get away enough that he couldn't get the guy out uh, on the strikeout. But then you're right, he gets thrown out at second, so he never advanced. He faces the minimum. Yeah, he faced the minimum. That's not that's the other thing. So that one's tough. But at that I still... point, you're just calling it that he got a base runner. But I guess there's also ones that walk, and it's no longer a perfect game, and they get thrown out. So it's the same sort of concept where you face the minimum, but you had one walk. Yeah, because I mean, there's been plenty of no hitters where a guy gets walked or a guy gets hit or there's an error, and then they ground into a double play, which is essentially the same thing as him getting thrown out. Yeah. It, it was the minimum. So I still think it's just a no hitter, but I feel bad for uh, for our guy, John Means, that uh, I wish he could have got it. Yeah. And history was made because that was the first time that there was a no walk, no hit by pitch, no error, no hitter. That was the first of that kind. Oh, okay. I, I didn't know that. And it was also the first one for the Orioles since what, the 70s? 1969 for a single pitcher. There was a combined no hitter in 1991, but it was the longest streak for a single pitcher, no hitter in baseball. And I believe now it's the Royals at 41 years, 1980 something, somewhere in there. I think they also have a um, combined no hitter. Yeah, they have one since then, but their last singular no hitter was like 1980s, I believe. Do you think? Wrong with the team. Do you think uh, we break the record with no hitters this year? Uh, yeah, because the record's what seven. Yeah, and we're already at four, and it's not even middle of May yet. It's a barely a month into the season. Yeah, I think we're, I think we're there. So you said about it that we came close to a couple perfect games. How many perfect games are you calling this year? Do we get one? Two. Two. I'll go, two. I'll go nine no hitters. 
I was thinking eight. Um, so I think we have to no hitters, like we'll yeah. have nine total. So, so you've got nine. I've got eight. We'll see. Uh, maybe we'll even reach double digits. But I, I think either way, uh, getting past seven is a pretty safe bet. But uh, you got anything else before we wrap this one up? No, I think I think uh, next week we'll have a little bit more getting back in the swing of things. So yeah, yeah this is the uh, first one we've done in a while. But I think this should be a more regular thing. Next week, check us out uh, live. We'll, we'll probably go live on Facebook and YouTube. Um, follow us at SportShift Media so uh, on all social platforms so that you see when that when we do go live. And also follow our personal accounts. Uh, I'm a JTZ4, um, and that's across everything, Twitter, Instagram. And Hank, you want to give yours out since you've got a couple different ones? Yeah, Twitter's at Hank underscore Naughton Jr., and Instagram is SteinMiller03. One day we will get them linked up as the same thing because it's <laughs> getting old, but we'll see how yeah. it goes. I, I like the Hank underscore Naughton Jr. I, I think you, you might have to switch, uh, switch the old Instagram because I, I like that a little too much. Might have to. <laughs> but anyway, thanks everybody for listening. Uh, tweet at us any anything you want to hear for next week, and uh, we'll see you all on Monday. See ya.